Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. Have you ever noticed how one thing leads to another? Have you ever noticed the challenge of living in between the one thing that leads to another thing? One morning, I was sitting in the kitchen of my house, minding my own business when my three-year-old shuffled up close to me and she put her hands on my knee and looked at me with those glossy brown eyes. Daddy, I would like some marshmallows for a snack. Oh yeah? What a strange request, right? Out of the blue. Yes, she says. The tiny marshmallows because the big marshmallows make me sick. Okay. Okay, baby. And then I, like a good and decent father, opened a drawer and set down a small bowl and poured a handful of those tiny marshmallows into that bowl and handed it to her. And she turned with this flourish. And about that exact same time, the three-year-old's mother entered. She had been upstairs for this exchange. And when the three-year-old saw her, and she saw the three-year-old, they both stopped in their tracks. And with that, the three-year-old told her mother through a mouthful of marshmallows, I got tiny marshmallows for a snack. And her mother looked at her, and then her mother looked at me, and her jaw clenched. I have been married to this woman for 20 years, so it didn't take much for me to read on her face that this marshmallow request was not in fact out of the blue. No, one thing leads to another. And mama's no had led to daddy's yes, and she had gotten her own way and I was living in between. One thing leads to another. And it is deeply challenging to live in between the one thing that leads to another thing. One thing leads to another in the gospel text too. As the family of faith grows and changes and things get messy. Do you notice the challenge that Jesus 
faces in between the one thing leading to another in his ministry. In the gospel passage, we hear about how Jesus goes out into the wilderness. And this is how he sets the tone for what is about to come. It starts right here. This text leads to the gospel. Now, the gospel of Mark is known for getting to the point. There is no birth narrative in the gospel of Mark. Did you notice that? There are also no long speeches after the resurrection in the gospel of Mark. In fact, the Greek word euthis, which means immediately, is used no fewer than 36 times in the gospel of Mark, which is almost twice as many times as it is used in all of the other books in the New Testament. So Mark wants to get to the point. So what is he waiting for in today's text? Before Jesus even meets a disciple, before he even says a word, Mark sends him out into the wilderness for 40 days, and makes us all wait. I mean, the gospel writer, in his great need for immediacy, could have skipped this whole thing, but he didn't. So it must be important. What's at stake here? Well, we have to remember that for the Jewish people that would have been hearing this text, or hearing these stories in the first century, the Exodus story of 40 years in the wilderness is at the very heart of what it means to be the people of God. So with everything that Jesus is about to say and do, he needs them to know that he is part of that story. He has experienced the sort of temptation that the Hebrews did when they almost turned on Moses. And he knows the fear that comes with being out in the wilderness and surrounded by the wild beasts. He knows what it feels like to be ultimately reliant on God for provision, as they were as they waited for the manna to fall from the sky, right? So Jesus, he's been tempted, he's been surrounded, he's been reliant, he's like the Hebrews when they've been out in the wilderness after the exodus, he's like us. This is what is at stake. His witness does not come out of the blue. It comes from a shared story. And as one thing leads to another, Jesus, as this verifiable insider, is able to speak to the community in a different kind of way. He's able to reshape, totally reshape for them what it means to be the people of God as an insider. And it was a community that needed reshaping because at that time, the religious system was dominated by hierarchy and that hierarchy is best illustrated by thinking about and looking at how the temple was accessed. So think about this, picture this. There is the temple and then outside of the temple 
is the temple courts. And a lot of different kinds of people could be in the temple courts, even Gentiles could be in the temple courts. But then inside the temple courts was something called the court of women. Women could be there, but only ritually pure, physically intact women. But then inside again, the court of Israel. Ritually pure, physically intact men could be there. And then in, again, the Holy of Holies and only the priests could go there. Only the priests. So while the priests were surely the most impressed by Jesus's resume from the wilderness, they were also going to be the most offended by the beginning of his ministry. Can't you see why? Jesus comes back from the wilderness and he goes straight to all the people that have been kept out. He goes to the man with the unclean spirit. He goes to the blind man. He goes to the man with the withered hand. He goes to the hemorrhaging woman. This is what Jesus is doing in the Gospel of Mark. He's going to all of these different people, different people that have been kept out, and he's saying, you've been kept out for too long. You've been kept out for too long because you're different and have a different way of looking at things. And there's room for you in the new temple. There's room for you in my body. And now it should be less of a mystery as to why Jesus has been hung up on the cross. Because the people that were accustomed to getting their own way would no longer be getting their own way. Today we see for the first time in following Jesus, we may not always get our own way. But we do get to have one another. We get to be family, even when we're a bit different. Even if we've been left out for a long time. And this is an important message for us because like that first century religious leadership, most of us really like to get our own way. Like a three-year-old who wants those tiny marshmallows. I mean, isn't, isn't it true in so many avenues of life? Even church, we like to get our own way. Did you know that some people choose to go to a church based on whether or not they agree with the pastor on certain litmus test issues. Did you know that? But as Rachel Held Evans wrote, the church is not a group of people who believe all the same things. The church is a group of people caught up in the same story with Jesus at the center. And I value the, the reality that we are going to disagree sometimes. I don't value disagreements about the coffee in the sanctuary or 
the hymn selection or whether or not we should clap in worship or use screens. I don't value those disagreements, but I do value differences in how we think about God and how we think about God's mission. We need to be in conversation with people who have differing opinions of how we think about God and how we think about God's mission because it makes us better. Because each of us brings our own hermeneutic. And a hermeneutic is a filter for how we hear the gospel, a lens through which we see the gospel. And our hermeneutic is shaped by how we experience life. And we have all experienced life in different ways, so our hermeneutics are going to be different. I'll give you an example. One of the most powerful memories of my childhood was a day my mother paid for our groceries with food stamps. For whatever reason, I can clearly remember being in a checkout line with my mother and watching her rip these coupons out of this little booklet. And I can remember the people behind us watching her rip them out as if she didn't deserve them. As if having to wait for her to rip them out was some kind of burden to them. And I can remember, even as a child, feeling so sorry for her. So this is part of my hermeneutic, right? It, it is part of my filter for hearing the sound of the gospel. One thing leads to another. It doesn't come out of the blue that when I read the scriptures and I read that Jesus fed the 5,000, I notice that None of them paid. And when I hear about Elijah and the widow and how she feeds him, I notice that there aren't any questions being asked about worthiness. And when I come to the table on a Sunday morning, I am aware that I don't have to pay anything to take the sacrament. And so my emphasis on God's outreach and tending to the poor comes from my hermeneutic, the lens through which I see the gospel. Now, I am aware that other people have different hermeneutics and they hear the gospel differently and that my hermeneutic is incomplete and is only a small part of the kaleidoscope through which we might see God. And for too long, we have normalized a posture of disagreement that has us running away from one another. But that's not what Jesus did. He earned the right to be heard. Jesus went out into the wilderness for 40 days, but then he came back. And if that's not enough, he got up on a cross right there in front of them all. And with some of his very last words, 
Jesus said, praying to God, into your hands I commit to your spirit. Jesus gave up his own way for our sake, for the sake of his family. So may one thing lead to another. May his words on the cross lead to the very same words from my mouth and to our mouths. Into your hands, God, we commend our lives, our entire community, our way of living, our way of seeing how this world works. Because this is what it means to be family. It means some days we're going to disagree on some little thing like marshmallows for breakfast. And with just a little effort, we will be able to move along and not get stuck in the day. And it means that some days we're going to disagree on some bigger thing, some way of seeing the world, something driven by each of our individual hermeneutics, our lenses for looking at things. It is not a matter of whether or not we disagree. It is how we disagree. Will we be willing to listen to one another? Will, will we be listening to the way that God is in our midst? We may not always get our own way but we will get one another. That's family. That's the gospel. Amen.